Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Black Autumn Show, episode 25. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. And I just want to start off with this episode saying I am so sorry for having to delay this episode by a day. I had a really rough beginning of the week dealing with allergies and a lot of stuff going on just at work in general and in life. And uh, I felt really bad having to delay it, but there was just too much going on. And I'm also working a lot on Black Autumn, dedicating a lot more time towards Black Autumn and trying to get some stuff done. And I do have some stuff in the works that I'm very excited about. And hopefully, if stuff goes to plan, I can tell you about it very, 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 very soon. But for now, it's going to be hidden and I'm going to keep working on it and putting all my time towards it. And hopefully, we can get somewhere with it. But... I do appreciate all you guys' support up until now, and I am so excited to dive into today's episode, which I do have a lot of emotions on, a lot of feelings on, so I'm going to try and not let those take over during this episode because, boy, I have some crazy feelings about this topic. But before we dive into the topic, let's talk about our highlight coffee because this one's a special one. This one is a delicious one, shall I say. Today, we have... Nestor Lasso. It's a washed geisha Colombian coffee from September Coffee. Now, I've actually never had this coffee before. I literally just tore the seal on it not 10 minutes ago and I just brewed it. And yeah, it smells delicious. Um, this coffee, I've heard a lot of good stuff about it from some friends that actually have it and they got it and they've tried it already. I've had this coffee for a little bit. It was the uh, September subscription coffee for the month. So I've had it for a little bit. I've had it for about, what, four or five days, maybe almost a week. And I just have not brewed it yet. I wanted to save it and, and open it the day that I was going to brew it. So it's super fresh. So that's when I've just opened it now. And we're all just going to try it together. So let's see what this tastes like right here. I have it all mugged up. And let's dig in. Wow. Whoa, dude, that's crazy. It's a very up. It's like a roller coaster of a ride going through this coffee. It like starts off really bright and acidic and then kind of like fades into more of like a milk chocolate peach kind of taste. Wow, that's a really good coffee. I get a lot of like milk chocolate, like a very light chocolate in it, a very light chocolate, like lighter than milk chocolate like not even white chocolate but just like a a super light faint super um delicate chocolate that's a good word delicate chocolate is what i'm getting from this and a lot of like fruitier kind of like peachy notes from it as well wow that's a very good coffee i'm getting like i don't know this is this is gonna seem really weird but like bacon <laughs> that's so strange but i'm getting this like odd bacon note i don't know what it is um <laughs> it's a really good coffee though now like i said i do want to start diving into more about our highlight coffees as we have been the last ep few episodes it's been a couple episodes now but they always send september always sends this little card about all the information about the two coffees they send which the other one's up here on the shelf it's a secret because we're going to be having it next episode but Let's talk about Nestor Lasso, more about where this coffee came from, and just in general, what we just drank when we had a couple of sips of this. Nestor and his brother, Adrian, took over their family farm and made the decision to branch out into specialty coffee. Two brothers have teamed up with Johan Vergara to create the farm El Deviso in the Wheeler region of Colombia. This young team is already making waves in the specialty coffee scene, and today we share with you their gesha. It's not all of it. I do want to say something real quick. 
Another coffee from Wheela. What is that? Six episodes in a row almost now that I've mentioned Wheela and how much coffee comes out of there. And I'm going to keep saying it. Wheela produces so much coffee. and It's ridiculous. When you see a Colombian, there's a 99% chance that it's going to be a Wheela. Like it's directly from Wheela, which is cool. And I definitely want to visit there. It's a, it's a spot that I want to visit before I die to see all of this coffee that's being grown and then exported out. It's probably a ridiculously massive amount of coffee that's going in and out of there. So I just wanted to mention that because another Wheela, it's, it's crazy. Processed by picking and sorting of cherries at optimum ripeness. Anaerobic fermentation intakes at a temperature of 16.18 degrees Celsius, or 16 to 18 degrees Celsius, sorry, for 40 hours. Then an oxidation process intakes for 20 hours. Pulping oxidation in mucilage for 20 hours must be added for a submerged fermentation for 12 hours with recirculation. Let's just pause right there because that was... A lot of words for one and a lot of information. Um, that is a lot of hours of processing. And we go through that and add that up. That was 40 hours, 20 hours, 20 hours, and 12. So that's 92 hours. Already, there's still a little bit more. But 92 hours of processing for the process of this coffee. That's ridiculous. 92 hours? It, it basically fermented for 92 hours in different stages of where it was in the process so what was the first one? It was oxidation and then pulping. Like It's crazy. It, it, all the different stages that they were going through the process, they were like, hey, how about we just process and then let it ferment for a little bit longer and take it out and process and then throw it back in, let it ferment for a little bit longer. Why not? 92 hours. It's crazy. It's crazy. People are processing coffee for that long. 92 hours. And it's not even consecutive. It's a 40. And then you have to go check. And then you have to do a different process after 20 hours and then 20 more hours. Like, how are you getting sleep? How is anybody getting sleep during this process? I feel like you'd be up all the time making sure the coffee was good. And then 12 hours. There's so much going on in this coffee. Which makes the experience of, of being able to read this. Like, if I just got this bag and I just saw washed Gesha from Colombia, I'd be like, cool, another Gesha from Wheeler, Colombia. Let's try it. Oh, this is a good coffee. It's got whatever delicate chocolate and peach, whatever I said. You know, that would be how I would normally react. But now that I have this, I can see, wow, 92 hours of processed fermentation. And now I'm drinking that 92 hours of work right there. The work that they, people put in this is insane and props to all these people. This is the last little paragraph that I want to read. Um, to finish the fermentation, a thermal shock wash is performed to remove part of the mucilage. Another process. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six. There's one more that I haven't talked about. That's, that's six different stages of processing this coffee had to go through, which is ridiculous. Um, the last one. The drying process is carried out in canopies for approximately 18 to 24 days. So if we add all that up, you're looking at about like max, what, 27, 28 days for this coffee? 28 days? And then a thermal shock? All of that is just insane. Can you even believe that that coffee has took that long to process? And they, they dedicated that much time. And I bet you they weren't just doing this coffee. They probably had some other coffees on their hand and they were processing. But they dedicated that much time to this geisha. Let's get another sip just for uh, 
Just that. A little cheers to that, you know. Wow. As it cools, I get a little, a little bit more of like a pomegranate note. Um, the acidity has kind of not faded away, but has, has settled down a little bit and, and turned into a pomegranate. That's really good. I, I can't even explain this coffee. With all that processing, all that time, and all that hours, and then here we are right now on September 28th at 3.26 in the afternoon drinking this Wheela Geisha Colombian coffee from September Coffee that took that long to process. And here we are just drinking it casually. But it took these people so long to dedicate their time and, and all of their hours and days to try and get this coffee perfect. And I think they nailed it. I'm not going to lie. This this coffee was nailed, if you ask me. Really, really, really good coffee. And as you can see behind me, I have like almost two full shelves of September coffee. So every coffee from September coffee, I think, is really good. But that's Nestor Lasso for today. That's our highlight coffee. That's going to wrap it up for the highlight coffee. And let's talk about the recipe before we wrap it up. I didn't even... I was getting so deep into the process, I forgot to tell you guys the recipe I use. In case you would love to buy this coffee, always, I'll link it in the description. And here's the brew. 198 degrees Fahrenheit. 18.1 grams in, or just 18 grams, but I want to get specific. I'm going to get the 0.1 grams. I grind it on the 4 setting on my fellow Ode with Gen 2 Burrs. I used my Loveramix dripper. I did a 1-16 to 16 target, so since we did 18 in, my target was 288 out. And we ended up getting 288.4, so we almost nailed the outage. It was almost a 1 to 16 on the dot. And it was a 3-minute, 18-second draw. And I'm very happy of that because if you guys don't know, we said we said goodbye to the fellow Ode. We said rest in peace. It, it was gone forever. We were never using it again. And here we are using it. I actually took it a whole, like, the whole thing apart, replaced a bunch of parts inside, put it back together, and here we are. It's working again. I got it to work. I also made it stepless. That does not matter at all, and you probably don't care that I'm saying this right now, but... Yes, the fellow Ode is back, and I love it, and that's what we used for this brew, and it was spectacular. And I'm hoping to get my hands on an Opus soon as well, because I would love to have an Opus, a Conicalberg grinder, to be able to do pour-overs for these fruity coffees, to be able to taste it at more fruit in them. But that's all for our highlight coffee that's officially going to wrap it up today. And I hope you guys did enjoy listening to this wonderful Nestor, Nestor Lasso coffee that we had today to highlight for you guys. So thank you guys so much, and let's get into our main topic for the day. Coffee plus technology. Convenience over quality? I tried to get that around a little bit. I'm not sure if that really rhymes. I don't really think it does, but I, I tried my best, okay? It, it's a little saying we got. Coffee and technology. Is it convenience over quality? Let's talk about pour-over machines. That's a main topic for today. The pour-over machines. And Generally, are they better? Are they good for home use? Are they good for a shop use? Where are you going to be looking for the target audience for pour-over machines? And I do want to just talk about my opinions at the very end. I want to talk about like statistically how they are, how they work, uh, the, the pros and cons about them, what I've noticed from using one for the past three or four months, and generally my opinions because I have some very strong opinions, like I said in the beginning. My feelings on this are ridiculous. I have some very strong opinions that I would love to rant to you guys about. I'm in, a, I'm in a ranting mood today, okay, guys? I had a very calm, chill day at work, and I need to let something out. I didn't get to let anything out at work. I'm ready to rant. So you guys are going to get this rant from me at the very end. Um, if you want to hear it, just wait till the end. But, you know, you don't have to wait till the end. 
And I probably will will kind of preface it through the most of the episode. So let's just get straight into it. My first little mini topic is consistency. Now, not consistency overall, but I want to talk about consistency issues first. Because a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, pour over machines. They're awesome. They're sick. They look cool. I'd love for my coffee to be made under that. But how consistent is it? And if you go day to day, will you see a difference every day in getting the same exact coffee? That's what we want to talk about because I think the answer is yes, you will see a difference. And these are my reasons why. You have no control. Absolutely no control. Um, you are not doing anything. If it's a poor steady or a Marcos, which are the ones that I'm most familiar with, you're hitting a button and letting it do its thing. You're not doing much. You may be swirling it around a little bit to give it that extra agitation, but you're not doing anything. You have no control. If the machine decides, hey, let's go from 200 degrees to boiling, 212, let's do it. How are you going to stop that in the middle of a brew? You can't. You can't. Now, the odds of that happening, yes, are super low. But if it does happen, you have no control. You have no control if the water lines just start to mess up and it just starts to spray water out at a consistent rate. You have no control. I will I will keep saying this until you guys understand that you have no control. It's happened at the shop before the, with the Marcos that we have. You hit the button and the screen, if it's not all the way on, you have no control because it will shoot out the back and the pour would be super strong that you can't even like, it's it's just overpowering and, and way way too strong of a coffee, way too fine of a ratio. So you really have no control unless you are like somehow sitting there with a computer out, technically programming it or something. There's no control on it. You hit a button and let it go. And and that's a very, very high on my consistency issue list because you have the no control. If something happens, well, shoot, we just wasted that time, wasted all that equipment. And now we got to do it again because it's not consistent. It's not super consistent and you have no control. Next one. There is more room for error via the machine not working or a part not working. This kind of ties along with the first one. I didn't really realize that until I just said that, but it does tie along to the first one. Now when making regular pour overs, like a manual, just a hand brew, there's a lot of room for error. Pour overs are not very forgiving. They're very, like if you mess up, you make one mistake in them, you can taste it. I definitely could taste it. So it's one of those things where you have no control. So if something happens, too bad, tastes bad, you're tossing it. Also, there's a lot more room for that error because it's mechanical and technical and you don't know if something could stop working. You have no control. It's like my car, my car broke down the other day and I, don't, I now don't have a car because the engine doesn't work. I didn't have control over that. If I had control over that machine and engine, I would have let my car still run. I'd be like, hey, you're fine, old buddy. Get up. Go on. Start running. You're, all, you're okay. But we don't have control over technology in itself, and it does what it wants. And when stuff breaks, it doesn't just stop brewing. It'll keep going. It's If a water line snaps and or, or something happens, it's just going to keep going. It doesn't know any better. It's programmed to do one thing and one thing only, and it's to do its one job, which is disperse water through an output onto a... It doesn't even know it's coffee, honestly. It's not even programmed to know that. It's just programmed to know that it's shooting water out. That's it. So uh, you have no clue what's going to happen and and the control that you have over it. That's my main, really first point on the consistency issues. Uh, My next one is output is unknown and inconsistent for every brew. 
Now, steady pour, have no idea. Never really used one that much. Not really as knowledgeable on it as I am the Marcos. This is more of the Marcos, which is the, the cheaper that you're going to get for the pour over machines. And you don't know the output. There's no scale built in. There's no, um, there's nothing. There's just a dial and it's super, it's stepless. So you can't like lock it in on 430 grams out. You're just guessing where it is. You have one or you have 50 grams up to like what, 650 or something. And there's a one dash, two dash, three dash, four dash, five dash, six. And that's it. And the dashes in between are 150, 250, 350, 50. That's it. And then you just put it wherever you think it would be. One of the pour overs that we have right now is 422 grams out. How the heck am I going to turn a knob at stepless that has no really adjustment points to 422 exactly every time? It's impossible. Let me just say that. You're not going to get it. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to get 422 every time on a stepless. I bet you my grind size for that, that I just did that pour over at four, it's stepless. So it's not exactly on that four. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to be able to replicate that exact grind size for that because it moves around during it. It vibrates and, and changes it. There's no way. And so with these, it's super inconsistent. It's going to taste differently every time because there's a different water output. You never know what the true water output is going to be unless you're weighing it out. But when you're weighing it out, you're not even going off the dial because the dial is total water output. And if you're weighing out, you're only really going to get the yield unless you don't use a little metal thing they give you, which then doesn't work right because you have to have the, the filter so high up so it disperses evenly. There's too many steps. That, that's another thing. I don't even have this on there, but I want to talk about it. Consistency issues. It's too complex. How are you going to teach somebody who's never had any pour over experience how to do this and why you have to do it like this? They're not going to understand. Hey, you have to have this, the Kalita, right up against the thing. If you don't, it's not going to brew right. You also have to swirl it every other pour or else it's not going to be even. Also, we don't know the total output that's going to happen. Also, it's, it's super, you just, you're not going to know. It's way too complex to be able to tell somebody about all this. And programming, in my opinion, I had to program some of these or both of these. I had to program the boiler and the actual machines themselves when we got them in. It's not that easy. It took a good amount of time. Um, and it's super just like, why would you do it that way? There's 20 other ways you could have made it, made it to program and you're doing it like this. It just doesn't make any sense, but let's get past that. And the next thing is water temp is harder to keep at a temp due to having a boiler instead of having a kettle. No, 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 no. Look, I was writing this and I, th I, I just heard the comments. Well, you know, when you're using a kettle, it also changes temperature because you're holding it off the burner for a long point in time. Yes, it does. The, the temperature in that kettle when I was just brewing was 198. And when I put it back on there, it was 194, meaning it lost four degrees Fahrenheit in the process of me pouring. So yes, it's going to lose temperature. It's not going to be 100% on 198 through the entire time that I'm brewing, right? And I, this is also for the Marcos because it's steady pour. I have no clue with their boiler and their water system, if it's as consistent or if it's as inconsistent as the Marcos is. But you can look at the Marcos. It has a very tall square boiler. On the front has an LED screen that will always display the temperature of the boiler and how much, like what the degree of water is that it's spitting out. And you can watch that. And I've watched it during brews, especially with the first few times to make sure that it is at the right temperature because it's super important to be at the right temperature, especially when dialing in coffee, you want it to be at a good temperature. So I was making sure I set it 199. 199 is super high in my opinion. And it doesn't even want to set to 199. It just sets at 200. So that's one issue that I have. It doesn't set where I put it to. It also 
when it brews, you can see it fluctuating. It'll go from like 198 when you first start it to 197, 196, 195, 196, 197, 196, 195, 191, 202. Like it, it goes above and beyond and below. It goes every direction you could possibly imagine when I'm brewing. It's not consistent at all. And I just think that in this, we need, there's got to be another way. And my main thing with talking about this for this episode is, are we just lazy? Is that what it is? Is Are we really willing to risk our consistency and flavor and, and, and waste our time too? You're wasting time programming. You're wasting time setting it up. Also, you're wasting time in general because doing these, we bought ours. Let me just say this. We bought ours so we wouldn't have to, like on a Saturday rush, focus on pour overs and manually doing them and taking our time. We're like, hey, Let's buy these automatic machines. So all we have to do is boom, hit a button and we're good to go. And we can walk away, hear the beep and come back and grab it and know that, hey, it just did a perfect pour over. And we didn't have to walk all the way past to do a manual and then go all the way back to serve it and wait for it to draw out. And you just have to hit a button. And honestly, it's been the opposite for us. We've had to set in front of all the brews and, and take the Kalitas and do the Hoffman swirls and everything. And it just isn't a time saver like we thought it was going to be. And look, yeah, we made mistakes. We thought it was going to be time saver. It's not really a time saver, but that is an inconsistency in my, and like, I'm going to put that under the inconsistency because that's the main reason people are going to buy these for shops. And if you can't provide, this is talking like the developers, the, the people that make it, the programmers, the everybody that's in the engineering process of this, you can't just make something that's like, Hey, this does everything. You can hit a button and actually walk away knowing full dang well that it's not going to mess up, no technical issues, and it's going to automate. It's going to be a super even consistent brew. So that I'm putting that under the list too. That's going under the list. I don't know why we can't just do that. Last thing that I had that I actually wrote today when I was doing a pour over because this happened today. So I was like, boom, this is perfect on the automatic pour over machine. I started it and the filter we set them up so close to the shower screen that like you can't even see the shower screen. The Kalita kind of covers it up a little bit just so it's right there. It can agitate all the coffee. So when you swirl, it's perfect. Very, very clean beds afterwards. Let me just say the beds come out super clean after that. So that's a consistent plus. We'll put that on a consistency plus. It's very consistent if you're sitting there watching it and, and, and focusing your time on it and making sure it's good. It's very consistent with the bed. The bed is amazing every time. But you have to have it that close or else it won't agitate enough and it'll splash stuff everywhere. So if you have it close, it, it works. But when having it close, that filter that's a little bit higher than the Kalidia almost sets a little bit like on the shower screen because the shower screen kind of hangs down just a little bit because it's a rubber gasket. So it comes down a little bit. And when the water started coming out earlier, it was enough force and heat to touch that paper filter and make it collapse. So it collapsed in on itself. And I mean, for this, it's not terrible, but it is an inconsistency issue. And you don't want your filters collapsing on themselves when you're trying to brew. It's just not good. It's just not ideal. Let's just say that, especially in like a Fetco brew, which I've had issues with, with it doing that. You really don't want it because it will mess up your overall brew. It'll, it'll allow water to go down the sides and skip it and just bypass all the coffee and not even like remotely touch the coffee. It's just going to fall down the sides of the filter and go down. That is an issue. And I mean, I did catch it before it got too crazy, so I stopped the brew and I restarted it. But that is an inconsistency issue. And that is the last 
inconsistency issue that I have with this thing. Now let's go to consistency plus. <laughs> this is kind of funny because my inconsistency list was like this long and my consistency list is like, there's one item. There's one item. And I want to preface this at the utmost important. These words that I'm about to say, if is the most important word. If, if, if. I'm going to say it so many times until everybody understands this. If is the most important word that I'm about to say in all of this. It, it means everything in, in this, this sentence that I'm about to say. And this is the only consistency plus. If everything works perfect. If everything works perfect. Perfect. It is super consistent. Like, if it works perfect. And I mean perfect no issues. You don't have to swirl. You don't have to stand there and watch it. The water temp stays. It, it even agitation, correct output. If everything we just said, because everything we just said in the inconsistency list can be perfect and can be worked around. There can be a way around it. There can, it can be good. But if that all falls together. And in my shop, it's never falling together. There's always something that you have to be doing with the pour overs. That's just extra that takes up away time or is inconsistent. Always there's something. But if it works perfect, like perfect, then it is consistent. I don't want to sit here and just like dog on these things the whole time. Be like, yo, pour over machines are trash and pour over machines are not good at all. And, and I hate them. Yes, I do hate them, but <laughs> that's not the main point of the episode. I want to I want to preface them all the way and say, yes, if everything works perfect, yeah, they are super consistent and they will, they are good and viable for shops. In certain shops, they are good for certain shops. They aren't. My main thing is we're spending so much time on it right now that we just spent that much money on two pour over machines and a boiler that we could be just spending on an extra kettle. Just get another kettle. And get some new drippers and carafts or something. And you, you'd be spending a third of the amount of money you just spent on those two pour-over machines. And we'd be doing really good quality pour-overs. Plus, the ritual of just having a manual brewed pour-over is so different. I don't know. It seems like when I get machine pour-overs, it just feels like I'm drinking drip. It just doesn't feel like it should. You know, when I made this, this felt right. This felt like I was making a good old pour-over. And it wasn't. It didn't taste like drip. It didn't feel like I was drinking just drip. But the machines, it just doesn't feel right. You know, the ritualistic of, of manually brewing is just nothing beats it. Machines cannot never take that away from me. Never take that away from me. Now, I've kind of kind of talked on this in just a little bit, like just a little bit. But I want to kind of go into a little bit more. Is it a time saver? Will it truly save your company money? Will it truly save your company time? Will it truly benefit your shop? Now, time wise. Lots of people, by lots of people, I mean, I think every person that's out there that has never used a pour over machine, they think that it saves a lot of time, a lot of time. Now, most of them do like the pour settings. They are very programmable. You can do so many different options with how the water pours, all of that. But machine pour overs that don't have a rotating water spout that spits the water out like a pour city because a pour city has one so don't include the poor study include the marcos and there's definitely some other ones that are just now coming out i just saw one the other day that's a home one now that's like a big circle and has like a thing i don't even know the name of that i should have researched that beforehand but anyway it doesn't have a rotating axle that the water spout sets on to actually agitate the coffee and get the whole bed if it doesn't have one 
it requires manual agitation in my opinion and now other people's opinion other people's shops and, and their quality levels they might just say hey it doesn't matter our was already sucks so we might as well put it on our machine and save a little bit of time but the beds come out super concave not looking good at all super just not evenly extracted unless you manually agitate for those ones that don't have a rotating axle so overall i think they don't save time i think you're better off just manually brewing like seriously is it that hard to like get an extra person on the schedule or just do something to be able to manually brew and i guess sometimes it may be i'm not just saying get more people it's not easy but overall i don't think it's a time saver i really don't oh, for quality oh, okay yes it is a time saver it is a super time saver but for your quality for what your customers are paying for for what they're expecting and what you want them to taste and the time it takes it's not a time saver your quality is going to go down. What they're going to taste is going to go down. The ritualistic, them watching it and enjoying it more because you're manually brewing it, it's going to go down because they're not, they're just going to see you hitting a button and walking away. And they're already paying, what, six, seven, sometimes $8, even more for a pour over. I would want somebody to manually brew it and take their time, take care of it and make it a really good pour over so I can taste that quality and the taste that somebody wants to come out into the pour over. That's what I dial in my recipe for. If you haven't watched the Dowlin episode, I talked about this a little bit, but I like to pick a note of the coffee when cupping and dial in a recipe around that. So then people, when they have it, I can be like, hey, when I was dialing this in, I, I had this note and I really wanted to chase after that note. So I dialed in after this. So you're going to get a lot of this, a lot of this, a lot of that. And people can be like, yo, that sounds amazing. Get it and be like, yo, this does taste like pineapple or mint or lime or whatever it is. You can taste that in there. And people will be like, yo. This guy knew what he was talking about. He spent his time dialing in to give me these notes and then manually just took care of my pour over, like handled with it and made it a very good pour over. And with a machine, I don't think I can say that. I'm sorry. Um, opinion. I've already mentioned the opinion so far. I was going to save it all to the end and kind of rant at the end, like I said, but it looks like I've got all the ranting kind of out in my system. And overall, I'm not a fan. I think going with just a regular manually brew is faster better quality better everything for your shop and people will notice it people will notice it it's a lot cheaper too let me just say automatic pour overs are not cheap at all a kettle is like what 150 dollars for a fellow kettle that's not bad at all you get a scale you already got the drippers if you're already looking at an automatic pour over you probably already got the grinder too so all you need is a scale which you hopefully you already have and a kettle and go for it that's all you need and I think that overall, it's going to save money, time. It's going to save your quality of your shop tremendously. It's going to save it to a tremendous point where people will be able to tell, hey, whoa, this flavor's good. Tastes different than it usually does. I don't, they weren't using that machine over there like they always do. Wow, they're manually brewing. Now, yes, I think, this just popped in my head, so I want to say it. But like Saturdays, boom. You want to pour over? I'm sorry. We're super busy. We can't take all this time and dedication when we have all this other stuff to do. I think, boom, hitting that, letting it go, totally fine on a Saturday. But during the day are certain hours where you're slow and you have that time to perfect the recipe and perfect the pour over. Spend that time. Perfect it. Get it going perfect so that people can taste it and love the coffee that they're having. But that's my overall take and opinion on the actual pour over machines and the technology that has to come. And it is still coming in coffee. And and. I guess we'll see what happens. I have another podcast that I've been doing um, for a while now, 
and me and my friends do it and we talk about just general news and stuff that's going on in the world. And we covered recently Tesla's and, and all this this technological advances in our, our society and how it's going to advance and help us and how it's also going to be an almost downgrade. And I think that the same thing is going to happen in coffee, but I think we're smart enough to learn and see, Hey, this is an issue. We need to fix this. Us coffee people, especially people in the specialty coffee realm that like are, are coffee nerds know what they're talking about. They know generally just everything and, and they're smart enough to know Hey, this is an issue. You need to fix this. Here's a solution. We got this. But that is all that I have for you guys today for the Black Autumn Show, episode 25. I appreciate everybody listening. And I'm also sorry. I just picked up to look at the camera to make sure everything was going. And the camera is not going and hasn't been going this whole time. So I do apologize. And sorry if you guys like watching me and seeing me. It just didn't happen. I'm I'm so sorry. I actually feel really bad that I didn't get to record it all. I was in a rush trying to get all this out. So it's already delayed. I'm so sorry. We will have video next episode. I promise you. So thank you guys for listening. And I will see you guys in the episode 26 of the Black Autumn Show next week. On time too. Next Thursday at noon. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>